Thanks for joining us for this week's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. If achieving financial freedom is a dream of yours, you don't want to miss the continuation of my conversation with Doug Northman, author of The Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement and founder of the Military Guide website. Brian Henry, Orion's Senior Vice President of Recruiting, will also join the discussion. If you haven't listened to part one of the podcast yet, you might want to check that out before hearing the conclusion. Last week, we talked about retirement options, the decision to leave active duty, recent changes in the military pension system, as well as financial myths of retirement. This time, we'll discuss Doug's tips for financially preparing to leave active duty and additional resources for financial self-education. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for future podcasts, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. You can find the book at libraries all over the world. Uh, readers have donated copies in over 100 libraries in the U.S., and there's uh, many copies overseas. And every time my spouse and I are traveling overseas, I drop a couple of copies off at the nearest military-based library. So check your local library for the book first. And if you want to get most of the content from the book without going to the library even, just read the very first six months of posts on the website, and that has a lot of the content of the book. I'd say about 80% of it. Uh, the only time you really probably would sit there and say, well, I'm going to buy the book is when you want to read it on a on a Kindle. If you want to read the ebook version, you got to buy that from Amazon. I haven't figured out a way around that yet. But we donate all the money to uh, military-friendly charities, and so feel free to be frugal and, and figure out how to get the book without paying for it at a library or borrowing it from somebody. But if you do get a copy of the book, uh, feel free to donate it to your local library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, that's a really good point. I think the Kindle, uh, you know, which I just get, I bought it via Kindle. It was like $6.97 or something like that. So I mean, yeah. it's still a pretty frugal buy, and, and, it, and you're helping charities as well. You'll you'll mm-hmm. make more money off that six ninety nine than you'll spend. It it's a got a return yeah. on investment. No worries there. Yep. Doug, yeah, you, I think you. Um, if we go to, um, uh, you mentioned the six hundred twenty five thousand to generate uh, the the twenty five thousand in income. I think the four percent rule in effect there. But uh, the key is really keeping that your expenses down, right? Your um, the by keeping your expenses down, you reduce the amount of money that you need to uh, fund your lifestyle. Right, and it's actually a a twofold problem. Uh, It's a challenge. Uh, I say a high savings rate because the first step everybody takes is to cut their expenses and get rid of the waste in their lives. But the other side of it is to make more money. Now, that might sound a little uh, simplistic. Hey, go out next week and and try to make more money, okay? Thank you. Um, But it actually is a twofold challenge. And the first part you'll start with is tracking all your expenses. And it doesn't matter how you track your expenses. I give a number of suggestions on how to do that. But you find a way to track that works for you. And after a couple of months of tracking your expenses, you'll sit down. And if if you've got a spouse and a family, you'll sit down with them and figure out, is the money that you're spending bringing value to your life? Did you find this was worth this expense? Did you enjoy doing it? And if it has value to your life, then you'll keep doing it and you'll find a way to do it and you'll be willing to work as long as it takes to be able to keep doing it. But everybody looks at what they spent their money on for the last few months and they say, oh my gosh, I wasted money here. I wasted money there. I wasted money on that other thing. And that's where the turnaround starts. Once you've been tracking and you realize what you're doing with your money, now you can start to save some of it. You cut out the waste. You don't necessarily have to go recycle your dental floss and you don't have to go make your own soap unless you find that challenging and fulfilling. 
but you will find things that you're wasting your money on and those things will start turning around into savings and investments. If you had debt when you started cutting your expenses, then you'll pay off the debt and those skills that get you out of debt will keep you going right down the path to financial independence just as fast as it got you out of debt. So once you've done that, you'll figure out the ways to raise your income. Now, if you're in the military in uniform, the easiest way to raise your income is to you know, get qualified and get promoted. And sometimes that's harder than others. Uh, another way to raise your income is to come up with some sort of side hustle. And usually what that means by side hustle is something that you enjoy doing. And if people will give you money for it, then you're even happier and it's sustainable. Now, it might be something as simple as using uh, tuition assistance on active duty to get an education, maybe get a degree. Uh, if you want to get a commission, you could do that, or you could use your degree to work on something enjoyable outside of your active duty hours in order to earn a little bit of money. Uh, the stereotype, of course, is starting a blog and blogging about things you enjoy, or maybe doing podcasts or, or videos, and, and you just start bringing in the money. And I'm sure Megan is getting filthy rich off of being the person who knows all these podcast skills. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and one thing, Doug, this is kind of in line with something that I know you talked about um, in the book was kind of the difference between frugality and deprivation. So it's finding that balance of what do you enjoy doing, what are areas that you're willing to compromise, and what are some that you're not willing to compromise. Well, again, it all depends on what's important to you and, and whatever you're willing to work for to pay for it. Uh, and Frankly, coming from the submarine force, you live a fairly austere life. And even today, I still remember sleeping uh, for months at a time on a Naga hide foam mattress that was, you know, four inches thick and 28 inches wide and 72 inches long. Some things stick with you a lot longer than the, the, the pain ended. But the whole point of being in the military is that you clearly understand from experience where to draw the line between frugal and deprived. And frugality is something that you're doing because you want to live a sustainable lifestyle. Maybe you want to live low impact or green, whatever you call it. When you're frugal, you're challenged and fulfilled and you feel like you're winning. Uh, we've been financially independent for over 16 years, and yet today we still compost our food waste and still spread that stuff around the yard to encourage the plants to grow better. We still grow some of our own fruit. and We enjoy doing that. We feel uh, that that's a lot of fun doing that. And it's fun to have the fruit and to give it away to people. But at some point, you're going to cut back and cut back and cut back, and you're going to cross that line into deprivation. And deprivation has a mission. There's a, there's a reason to do it, uh, and it's a short-term goal. You maybe need to make a last push to pay off some debt, or maybe you need to help somebody out who's going through a crisis. Uh, you're doing something for a short time. It's an extraordinary hard life uh, and a lot of pain to get through that period of your life, and it's not sustainable. You're only doing it for a short time to reach a specific goal. But everybody in the military knows where deprivation starts, and that's not fun. So the fact that we're just aware of deprivation, we understand how to deal with it, and we know it's there, means that you can start cutting back your expenses, cut, start cutting out the waste, start being more frugal with the things that you enjoy doing anyway, and you'll know when you've cut far enough. And if you start shading over into deprivation, you'll understand exactly why you're doing it, and you'll just loosen up a little bit. You know, Maybe you'll spend a little more money in the areas you enjoy and stop cutting back too much in some areas. We've, we've seen this in, in hundreds of personal finance bloggers, too. We have a few who start cutting their expenses and cutting their expenses. And suddenly, one day, they realize, oh, my gosh, I haven't gone out and had fun in months. They know they're in deprivation, and they loosen up a little bit. 
And I think an example that you gave in the book was, too, like if you have a family, it might be harder to go more the deprivation route because you kind of want everyone to buy into the frugality mindset. So you want to make sure that, as you said, you're deciding what's important to you so that you're not taking all of the fun out of your life. Well, yeah. And, and even with a family uh, now, admittedly, it's a little more challenging with a family because there's it's always a possibility of a mutiny in the ranks. But uh, when you have a family, it's a very valuable teaching moment. Now, you and your spouse have to be on the same page for financial independence and the two of you will work that out. But even the kids have to understand that there are things in life that are more wants than than needs. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very good to have that understanding when you're growing up because you're facing, you're dealing with a consumer society and you're constantly pelted with advertising and keeping up with the Joneses and all the Facebook magic that people show in their lives. And so you have to learn how to take your fun and, and take your enjoyment of life internally rather than have, living a consumerism lifestyle. Or if you choose to live a consumerism lifestyle, you got to be willing to work for it. So it's valuable with the family, too. I, I will say that one of the biggest points of contention about frugality and about dealing with uh, two couples or with dealing with the family, if everybody has their own allowance to spend on things they want to spend money on, that helps a lot. And it sounds silly to think about a, a, a husband and wife having an allowance for each other, but it's a very powerful tool. And the idea is that you've agreed on what you're going to cut back and what things are wasted and what you're going to stop doing. But you're also each going to have an allowance. Now, you know, if you're grown up, you get an allowance of a hundred or a couple hundred bucks a month. The whole point is that you've got your money to spend on something you personally enjoy. And there's no judging. There's no raised eyebrows. There's no implied criticism of what you're spending your money on. It's your money. It's your allowance. You get to spend it. And even better, it rolls over to the next month. If you want to keep saving your allowance for a bigger goal, for a bigger toy, or for a bigger blowout fun time, then that's your choice. And it works great with kids too. Even if it's as little as $5 a month, they'll still learn how to use that allowance for the things they really want because they know that mom and dad have already got a budget for the things that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Doug, I've got a, a question uh, going Looking back again at the the idea that you don't know what, whether you're going to be in for 20 or more years, so as, as you're going through your your career and hopefully thinking a little bit of that delayed gratification, save now, allow time and uh, compounding to work on your behalf. Um, but if you're transitioning out of the military short of retirement, which I think a lot of the people that are that are in our audience, the people that we help in the transition space. Um, are in can you talk about the different places you can save money knowing that you might need access to it pre-retirement absolutely making that transition yeah yeah when you're when you're building up that transition fund you're gonna go for the worst case right you're gonna assume that it's gonna be somewhere between six and twelve months before you get a job of course with with orion it might only be a month or two right but the the worst case is the worst case is six to twelve months and i see that number batted around a lot Uh, It's not six to 12 months of income. It's six to 12 months of expenses. And if you leave active duty, you're going to have a lot of ways to save money during that time. Your expenses are naturally going to cut themselves back. You're spending your time, instead of being in uniform, you're spending your time networking, going through LinkedIn, learning what your preferences are, doing practices for interviews, things like that. You're, You're working to find work. But your expenses are much lower during that period after you leave active duty. <clears throat> and, and maybe you're lucky enough to get some some terminal leave. I mean, if you can get 30, 60 days of terminal leave as part of that six to 12 months before you find a job, well, then you've got a little stream of income coming in to help you. But while you're doing that career search and, and saving that money, you need to have that money somewhere where it's going to be ready for you. Now, while you're putting that money away in a savings account, 
you want it to be there when you need it. You want it to be absolutely safe. And by absolutely safe, I mean you're going to want it to put it in a high-yield savings account. There's many banks out there, online banks, that will offer a ridiculously high interest rate of, say, 1%, 1.5% for a savings account, as long as you use their debit card or, or direct deposit money in their savings account. And that's a good place to save money. Uh, another good place is just to work with the money market or the certificates of deposit with your local credit union. You know, there's plenty of military-friendly credit unions out there. We all know who the big ones are, and you can save money there in a money market account or certificates of deposit. It, it's tempting to chase a higher interest rate, but that's not the point here. The point is that you're saving up a wad of cash to get you through a period of 6 to 12 months so that your other investments that are earning a higher interest rate in a thrift savings plan or in mutual funds in the stock market that you don't have to tap into those and use those. Uh, I do know some people who feel very comfortable at saving their money in a Roth IRA. Uh, and there's a little known uh, feature about a Roth IRA. Whatever money you contribute to a Roth IRA, you can take out anytime for any reason, no penalties, no taxes. And this is because you already paid the taxes and it's because the way the Roth IRA is set up, you can take the contributions, just the contributions out anytime you want. So I do know a few people who feel comfortable saving up you know, two or three months in CDs and money market accounts and high yield savings accounts with online financial institutions. And then they say maybe another couple of months of uh, expenses and CDs. And then maybe their plan B, if it all falls apart, is to go and take out those contributions from their Roth IRAs. But that should cover everybody for six to 12 months. Um, you've also probably got the conventional wisdom of telling people that when you're getting ready to get out of the military, uh, you should get ready about a year in advance, maybe two years in advance, and part of that is saving up money for that transition fund. Uh, if you have to cut back on thrift savings plan contributions in order to build up that transition fund, that's a good idea. Uh, you'll make it up later on when you get employed and you're able to start saving again. I think that's great advice. Yeah, definitely having that liquid uh, assets to guide you through and and get you in a position where you're taking a you're not rushed into a decision just to take any job, but you're making a good, as good a decision as you can make uh, into that first first career uh, move post-military. Oh, oh, yeah. You got to be flexible. I mean, you're going to leave the military. You're going to have to go where the job is. And you might not get a job in exactly the hometown down the block from mom and dad or from other family. You might not get exactly the job of your dreams. Uh, we know that people get out of the military, uh, more than 50% of them change jobs again after their two years, less than two years after they get out of the military. And for gosh sakes, when you get out of the military, it's probably a good idea when you do get that bridge career started to rent for a while instead of trying to buy a house. Those are all financially uh, move, financial moves that, if done unwisely, could end up costing you a lot of money in the long run. Because you just don't know for the next couple of years, once you get out of the military, where you're going to want to live, what kind of job you're going to want to have. And the more flexibility you have coming out of the military, the more you have that transition fund saved up, the better you'll sleep at night and the better decisions you'll make and the more choices you'll find. We, we find, I find so many veterans I talk to that are getting out and they, they limit themselves in their job search because they, they decide they're buying a house without even having a job. Like they want to buy the house while they still have the income of the military, but they're limiting themselves to jobs that are just in that area. Um, and, you know, the more you read on the value of buying a home, it's questionable. You know, the rent versus buy um, discussion is out there. It's not as cut and dry as people think it is. 
Well, I, I understand both sides of the, the issue too, because you've been moving every two or three years in the military and you really get tired of packing up and moving out and you really want to have someplace you can put down deep roots. And it's the myth of the forever home. And, you know, there's a rainbow and a unicorn spot jumping around in the front yard. And, and the problem is that it's a myth. And so when you get out of the military, you don't necessarily move right into your forever home. You need to start that bridge career and figure out, oh, be flexible and figure out where you're going to live at first. And, and what if your employer, you know, you're doing good at that job for a couple of years and your employer says, hey, you do a wonderful job in our Brazil branch. Uh, maybe you'd have a chance to go overseas again. Are you going to be locked into a forever home? I hope not. Yeah, great advice. Just going on the home example, too, I like on your website um, you, how you have the guest post. So you've got the post about um, buying a home. Don't you? Your post is don't buy a home when you leave active duty. <laughs> and then there's a rebuttal on that because I think that's great where you're not just telling, you know, military veterans or any, you're not telling them um, what to do. You're kind of giving them both sides of it. And so they're able to educate themselves and figure out what makes the most sense for them. And, and you're right, Megan, people are much more likely to click on a title that says, don't buy a home than they are to say, <laughs> well, you know, in the long run, it's probably not smart to buy a home the minute you leave active duty. But mm -hmm. by doing that, at least people are aware of the issues and aware of where the pitfalls and the traps are. And so hopefully they won't do it. And of course, uh, my, my, my friend, Eddie Wills, who wrote that other post, go ahead, buy that home when you get off active duty. It worked out very good for him because he was able to still maintain career flexibility. He chose to move to one location now. I'll also point out that he's a submarine veteran with a lot of engineering skills, and he was able to find a job in a large area where they needed a lot of people with his skills he has. So he was willing to compromise geography and, and career because he managed to still have a lot of flexible options. So it's a lot better than trying to move back to your hometown, especially if your hometown has an unemployment rate locally of you know 25% and everybody ends up working construction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, there's um, other than other than your book, which we've talked about a bit. Obviously, there are lots of resources out there um, for financial self-education. But what are some that you would recommend, whether they're other books or podcast blogs, et cetera? Well, I've got a ton of them. And again, uh, on the website, I'll frequently link to the others. Uh, the one that uh, is one that I've mentored my site after is called The Military Wallet. It's by my friend Ryan Gunnar. He's an Air Force veteran. He's in the Air National Guard. Uh, he just got his commission last year, and he's going to go to 20 in the Air National Guard. Uh, the military wallet uh, sits there and talks again in much greater detail about some of the issues about retirement programs or military financial benefits and other programs. So it's a great way to find the nitty details of, of some programs. Uh, one example would be if you get out of the military and you have a high disability rating from the Veterans Administration, how you're VA compensation works compared to your military pension. Again, not a lot of people in the world who are interested in that, and there's not too many of them in the military who are interested in that. But if you have a question about VA compensation and your pension, uh, you can find out on the military wallet. Uh, there's a lot of active duty bloggers coming up through the ranks. I'm really glad to see that because for a while there, we were afraid to talk about personal finance in the military if you were still in uniform. Uh, I can recommend a couple of them. One of them is the Military Money Manual. That's by an Air Force officer. There's also Military Dollar, uh, another Air Force officer. I'm not trying to say anything about the Air Force, but I suspect they have a lot more bandwidth than the submarine force does. <laughs> uh, and speaking of submariners, uh, there's uh, Justin Nasiri at Beyond the Uniform. Now, I don't know if you guys have come across that resource, but I've been very impressed by it. Uh, and yeah. essentially, it's a series of interviews of people who have made the transition. 
you can go through there and you can find Marines, you can find Army Rangers, you can find Air Force pilots, you can find Air Force support staff, everybody. He's got everybody on there. Uh, I'm on there too. And he just interviews people about what they did in the military and what they learned from the transition. It's all podcast material. But what Justin has also gone and done is dived deeply into the LinkedIn data and done an analysis of where people end up. And so if you're in the submarine force and you're not sure what you want to do after you leave the submarine force, because you have no idea what anybody would want a submariner for out in the outside world, in the civilian world, you can go to Justin's site and you can start learning about where other submariners have gone from the approximately 500,000 military veterans who have profiles on LinkedIn and what they're doing. And suddenly you discover that you know a lot more about corporate operations and maybe even logistics than most other people do. And you have a lot of potential. So the beyond the uniform, the podcast and the research he's done, that's just tremendously valuable. And it also gives you a great sense of security. I, I would say uh, self-confidence because you can say, hey, look, people just like me who were in the same job I was in in the military, look at what they're doing with their lives. This is awesome. I'll, I'll stick with those top three resources. But again, you find a lot more of those on the military guide and uh, on Facebook. You mentioned the Choose FI military group. Uh, I strongly recommend anybody who's in the military, whether or not you're striving for financial independence, if you're just curious about personal finance, join that Facebook group. We have a lot of service members. We have a lot of veterans. We have a lot of military spouses. And they're on there to ask specific questions, not just about financial independence, but about duty stations and lifestyle and what to do with their, their next choice in the thrift savings plan or pay problems or any of those. It's a, it's a great broad ranging discussion. And it's uh, got a, a quality group of moderators. Uh, we try to moderate as little as possible. It's almost abdication. Mm -hmm. And Brian, okay. I know you really like that group too. Yeah, I, I'm very active uh, on it. I'm a member of the, the San Diego local group. And uh, and when Doug mentioned uh, Justin, I've actually, uh, Justin and I have connected, um, you know, he, his, his podcast was kind of the inspiration behind th saying that we at Orion ought to start uh, doing our own to share information and uh, advice that can be, you know, evergreen and out there for veterans uh, to, to grab from any place. Um, uh, via podcast. So we're, I'm actually going to be interviewed uh, in a couple weeks here uh, for Justin's uh, podcast. Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned the Choose FI guys, too. I uh, was at a Camp FI earlier this year in Florida where we had the uh, Choose FI crew there for both weekends. And I'm tremendously impressed with what they've done with that podcast. They came out of nowhere and they've grown up tremendously and got a huge audience over the last year. Yeah, it's very. I, you know, the my son is uh, is, and they call it second generation fire now. My son is on board and um, <laughs> saving like a madman now. And the you, know, you, you talked about the, um, um, I think in 20 years, you know, if you save, I think the research says if you save 60 percent of your income, you could be financially independent in 11 to 12 years, assuming we have historical market returns, <laughs> which is which is unbelievable. <laughs> That's absolutely right. But that's the way the compounding works. Uh, the, the reality is that, and, and this is psychology and, and, and people looking at behavioral financial psychology, that we humans are very bad at estimating compound growth. And that first 10 years of that journey to financial independence, you know you're saving it. You just can't see it growing very fast because the exponential compound growth doesn't take off until the back half of the striving toward financial independence. So yeah, tell, tell your son not to lose heart, you know, just keep socking that stuff away. And if he can make Roth IRA contributions as a teenager, then when he goes to college, he can graduate debt free from college. He'll be launched. You know, he'll be reaching financial independence in his 40s, maybe even his 30s. 
Yeah. And I think in the military, the you know, young in the military, if they can just start early, save what they can, find carve it out, start putting it away, and and you would be amazed what that compounding effect will have uh, many years down the road. They, oh, they yeah. can get to the point where they're on. You, again, if they don't without a pension, they get to the point where they could, they've saved enough to let it coast and grow, which can change the dynamics of how much they need to earn in the in between years potentially. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we know E3s who have a thrift savings plan account balance of $60,000. I have uh, E5 retirees who are living on an E5 pension with actually very little savings at all, almost no savings. And it doesn't have to be reach financial independence and never work again and never earn another dollar in your life. It gives you the choice of never working again, or you can choose to have a, a lean financial independence lifestyle and then bring in extra income when you want. It's all about the choices and the control of your time. Well said. So I think, Doug, that pretty much wraps up everything that we wanted to talk about today. So my last question would just be, how can people connect with you? Uh, I've, I've been doing this for almost eight years now, so I'm pretty easy to find on the Internet. Uh, in fact, if you search for Nords, you'll probably find a video game, and then you'll eventually come across my blog. Uh, but uh, you can search for The Military Guide, or you can contact me through the blog, or contact me through Facebook, you know, The Military Guide Facebook page, or the Choose FI Military Group on Facebook uh, I'm on Twitter as the Military Guide, and uh, feel free to email me. Here's my email address. It's nordsnords at gmail.com. Uh, even though I've been doing this for eight years, I still manage to answer every reader email. I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last, but I'm very <laughs> efficient at answering emails. And so far, I've uh, hit 100%, and we'll keep doing that as long as I can. Awesome. Well, very good. Well, Brian and I were very excited to have you on the show today, and I think this has been a great discussion. So thanks so much for all of the input, and maybe we'll talk to you again soon one day. Yeah, sounds good, Megan. Anytime, whenever it's good for you guys. And thanks for joining us, Brian. I really enjoy having a conversation with a group like this. Yep. Thanks, Doug. Aloha. That's mahalo. Talk to you guys later. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.